Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website, www.goldengems.net, where we also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits, which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days of radio. Well, Dave and Bill here on our Golden Gems podcast, talking more today about the career and the personal life of Dionne Warwick. We're glad to have you with us today and hope you enjoy the program. Marie Dionne Warwick, later Warwick, was born in Orange, New Jersey, to Lee Drinkard and Mansell Warwick. Her mother was manager of the Drinkard Sisters, and her father was a Pullman porter, chef, record promoter, and CPA. Dion was named after her aunt on her mother's side. She had a sister, Delia Didi, who died in 2008, and a brother, Mansell Jr., who was killed in an accident in 1968 the age of 21. Her parents were both African-American, and she also had Native American and Dutch ancestry. She was raised in East Orange, New Jersey, and was a Girl Scout for a time. After finishing East Orange High School in 1959, Warwick pursued her passion at the Hart College of Music in West Hartford, Connecticut. She landed some work with her group singing backing vocals for recording sessions in New York City. During one session, Warwick met Burt Bacharach, who hired her to record demos featuring songs written by him and lyricist Hal David. She later landed her own record deal. Marie instructed the group, and they were managed by Lee. As they became more successful, Lee and Marie began performing with the group, and they were augmented by pop R.B. singer Judy Clay, whom Lee had unofficially adopted. Elvis Presley eventually expressed an interest in having them join his touring entourage. The Gospel Heirs became the recording group The Sweet Inspirations, who had some chart success but were much sought after as studio background singers. The Gospel Heirs and later the Sweet Inspirations performed on many record cuts in New York City for artists such as Garnet Mims, The Drifters, Jerry Butler, Solomon Burke, and later Warwick's recordings, Aretha Franklin, and Elvis Presley. Warwick recalled in 2002's biography that a man came running frantically backstage at the Apollo and said he needed background singers for a session for Sam the Man Taylor. And says, old Big Mouth here spoke up and said, we'll do it. And we left and did the session. I wish I remembered the gentleman's name because he was responsible for the beginning of my professional career. The backstage encounter led to the group being asked to sing background sessions at recording studios in New York. 
Soon the group were in demand in New York music circles for their background work for such artists as the Drifters, Benny King, Chuck Jackson, Dinah Washington, Ronnie the Hawk Hawkins, and Solomon Burke, among many others, Warwick remembered, and many among many others. Warwick remembered in biography that after school, they would catch a bus from East Orange to the Port Authority Terminal, then take the subway to recording studios in Manhattan, perform their background gigs, and be back at home in East Orange in time to do their school homework. Her background vocal work would continue while Warwick pursued her studies at heart. Warwick was soon signed to Bacharax and David's production company, according to Warwick, which in turn was signed to Scepter Records in 1962 by Greenberg. The partnership would provide Bacharach with the freedom to produce Warwick without the control of recording company executives and company A&R men. Warwick's musical ability and education would also allow Bacharach to compose more challenging tunes. Her follow-up to I Say a Little Prayer, theme from the Valley of the Dolls, was unusual in several respects. It was not written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. It was the B-side of her I Say a Little Prayer single, and it was a song that she almost did not record. While the film version of the Valley of the Dolls was being made, actress Barbara Perkins suggested that Warwick be considered to sing the film's theme song, written by songwriting team Andre and Dory Previn. The song was to be recorded by Judy Garland, who was subsequently fired from the film. Warwick performed the song, and when the film became a success in the early weeks of 1968, disc jockeys flipped the single and made the single one of the biggest double-sided hits of the rock era and another million-copy seller. The LP Dionne Warwick in the Valley of the Dolls, released in early 1968, and containing the re-recorded version of the movie theme, number two for weeks, Do You Know the Way to San Jose, and several new Bacharach David compositions, hit the number six position on the Billboard album chart and would remain on the chart for over a year. The film's soundtrack LP without Warwick vocals failed to impress the public while Dionne Warwick in Valley of the Dolls earned an RIAA Gold certification. The single, Do You Know the Way to San Jose, an international million-seller and a top-ten hit in several countries, including the UK, Canada, Australia, South Africa, Japan, and Mexico, was also a double-sided hit, with the B-side, Let Me Be Lonely, charting at number 79. More hits followed into 1971, including Who Is Gonna Love Me, number 32 in 1968, with the B-side, There's Always Something There to Remind Me, another double-sided hit. Promises, Promises, number 19 in 1968, This Girl's in Love with You, number 7, 1969, The April Fools, number 37 in 1969, You've Lost That Lovin' Feeling, number 15 in 1969. I'll Never Fall in Love Again, number 6. Pop, number 1, and Adult Contemporary, 1969. Make It Easy on Yourself, number 37, Pop, number 10, AC, in 1970. Let Me Go to Him, 
number 32 pop, number 4 AC in 1970, and paper mache, number 43 pop, number 3 AC in 1970. Warwick's final Bacharach David Penn single on the Scepter label was March 1971's Who Gets the Guy, number 52 pop, number 6 AC in 1971, and her final official Scepter single release was He's Moving On and Amanda, number 83 pop, number 12 AC, both from the soundtrack of the motion picture adaptation of Jacqueline Susan's The Love Machine. Warwick had become a priority act of the Scepter Records with the release of Anyone Who Has a Heart in 1963. Other Scepter LPs certified RIAA Gold include Dion Warwick's Golden Hits Part 1, released in 1967, and The Dion Warwick Story, A Decade of Gold, released in 1971. By the end of 1971, Warwick had sold an estimated 35 million singles and albums internationally in less than nine years, and more than 16 million singles in the U.S. alone. Exact figures of her sales are unknown and probably underestimated, due to Scepter Records' apparently lax accounting policies and the company policy of not submitting recordings for RIAA audit. Warwick became the first Scepter artist to request RIAA audits of her recordings in 1967 with the release of I Say a Little Prayer. On September 17, 1969, CBS Television aired Warwick's first television special, entitled The Dionne Warwick Chevy Special. Warwick's guests were Burt Bacharach, George Kirby, Glenn Campbell, and the Credence Clearwater Revival. In 1970, Warwick formed her own label, Sunday Records, of which she was president. Sunday was distributed by Scepter. Following her signing with Warners with Bacharach and David as writers and producers, Warwick returned to New York City's A&R Studios in late 1971 to begin recording her first album for the new label, the self-titled Dion, not to be confused with her later Arista debut album in January of 1972. The album peaked at number 57 on the Billboard Hot 100 album chart. In 1972, Burt Bacharach and Hal David scored and wrote the tunes for the motion picture Lost Horizon. However, the film was panned by the critics, and in the fallout, the songwriting duo decided to terminate their working relationship. The breakup left Warwick devoid of their services as her producers and songwriters. She was contractually obligated to fulfill her contract with Warners without Bacharach and David, and she would team with a variety of producers during her tenure with the label. Faced with the prospect of being sued by Warner Brother Records, due to the breakup of Bacharach David and their failure to honor their contract with Warwick, she filed a $5.5 million lawsuit against her former partners for breach of contract. The suit was settled out of court in 1979 for $5 million, including the rights to all Warwick recordings produced by Bacharach and David. 
Warwick recorded five albums with Warners, Dion, 1972, produced by Bacharach and David, and a modest chart success, Just Being Myself, 1973, produced by Dozier Holland. Then Came You, 1975, produced by Jerry Ragavoy, Track of the Cat, 1975, produced by Tom Bell, and Love at First Sight, 1977, produced by Steve Barry and Michael O'Marshian. Her five-year contract with Warners expired in 77, and with that, she entered her stay at the label. Warwick's dry spell on the American charts ended with her signing to Arista Records in 79, where she began a second highly successful run of hit records and albums well into the late 1980s. With a move to Arista Records and the release of her RIAA certified million seller, I'll Never Love This Way Again, in 1979, Warwick was again enjoying top success on the charts. The song was produced by Barry Manilow. The accompanying album, Dion, was certified platinum in the United States for sales exceeding 1 million units. The album peaked at number 12 on the Billboard album chart and made the top 10 of the Billboard R&B albums chart. Warwick had been personally signed and guided by the label's founder, Clive Davis, who told her, you may be ready to give the business up, but the business is not ready to give you up. Warwick's next single release was another major hit, Deja Vu, was co-written by Isaac Hayes and hit number one adult contemporary as well as number 15 on Billboard's Hot 100. In 1980, Warwick won the NARAS Grammy Awards for Best Pop Vocal Performance, Female, for I'll Never Love This Way Again, and Best R&B Vocal Performance, Female, for Deja Vu. She became the first female artist in the history of the awards to win in both categories the same year. Her second Arista album, 1980's No Night So Long, sold 500,000 U.S. copies and featured the title track, which became a major success, hitting number one. Adult Contemporary and number 23 on Billboard's Hot 100, and the album peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Albums Chart. In January 1980, while under contract to Arista Records, Warwick hosted a two-hour TV special called Solid Gold 79. This was adapted into the weekly one-hour show, Solid Gold, which she hosted throughout 1980 and 1981, and again in 1985 and 86. Major highlights of each show were the duets she performed with her co-hosts, which often included some of Warwick's hits and her co-host's hits, intermingled and arranged by Solid Gold music director Michael Miller. Another highlight in each show was Warwick's vocal rendition of the Solid Gold theme, composed by Miller with lyrics by Dean Pitchford. After a brief appearance in the Top 40 in early 1982 with Johnny Mathis on Friends in Love from the album of the same name, Warwick's next hit later the same year was her full-length collaboration with Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees for the album Heartbreaker. The song became one of Warwick's biggest international hits, returning her to the top ten the Billboard's Hot 100 as well as number one adult contemporary and number two in both the UK and Australia. 
The tune was also a top ten hit throughout the continental Europe. Australia, number one, Japan, South Africa, Canada, and Asia. The title track was taken from the album of the same name, which sold over three million copies internationally and earned Warwick an RIAA Gold Record Award in the U.S. In Britain, the disc was certified platinum. Warwick later stated to Wesley Hyatt in his Billboard book of number one adult contemporary hits that she was not initially fond of Heartbreaker, but recorded the tune because she trusted the Bee Gees' judgment that it would be a hit. The project came about when Clive Davis was attending his aunt's wedding in Orlando in early 1982 and spoke with Barry Gibb. Gibb mentioned that he had always been a fan of Warwick's and Davis arranged for Warwick's and the Bee Gees to discuss a project. Warwick and the Gibb brothers obviously hit it off as both the album and the title single were released in October 1982 to massive success. In 1983, Warwick released How Many Times Can We Say Goodbye, produced by Luther Vandross. The album's most successful single was the title track, How Many Times Can We Say Goodbye, a Warwick Vandross duet, which peaked at number 27 on the Billboard Hot 100. It also became a top 10 hit on the adult contemporary and RB charts. The album peaked at number 57 on the Billboard album chart. In 1985, Warwick recorded the American Foundation for AIDS Research Benefit single, That's What Friends Are For, alongside Gladys Knight, Elton John, and Stevie Wonder. The single credited to Dion and Friends was released in October and eventually raised over $3 million for that cause. The tune was a triple number one R&B adult contemporary and four weeks at the summit on the Billboard Hot 100 in early 1986, selling close to 2,045,000 in the United States alone. The single won the performers the NARAS Grammy Award for the Best Pop Performance by a duo or group with vocal, as well as Song of the Year for its writers, Bacharach and Bayer Sager. It also was ranked by Billboard magazine as the most popular song of 1986. With this single, Warwick also released her most successful album of the 1980s entitled Friends, which reached number 12 on the Billboard's album chart. In 1987, Dionne Warwick won the Special Recognition Award at the American Music Awards for That's What Friends Are For. In 1987, Warwick scored another hit with Love Power, her eighth career number one adult contemporary hit. It also reached number five in the R&B and number 12 on Billboard's Hot 100. A duet with Jeffrey Osborne. It was also written by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager. And it was featured in Warwick's album Reservations for Two. The album's title song, A Duet with Kashif, was also a chart hit. During the 1990s, Warwick hosted infomercials for the Psychic Friends Network which featured self-described psychic Linda Georgian. The 900-number psychic service was active from 1991 to 1998. According to press statements throughout the 1990s, 
The program was the most successful infomercial for several years. And Warwick earned in excess of $3 million per year as spokesperson for the network. In 1998, Infomation, the corporation owning the network, filed for bankruptcy and Warwick entered her association with the organization. Warwick's most publicized album during this period was 1993's Friends Can Be Lovers, which was produced in part by Ian Devaney and Lisa Stansfield. Featured on the album was Sunny Weather Lover, which was the first song that Burt Bacharach and Hal David had written together for Warwick since 1972. It was Warwick's lead single in the United States and was heavily promoted by Arista, but failed to chart. Follow-up, Where My Lips Have Been, peaked at number 95 on the hot R&B hip-hop singles and tracks. On October 16, 2002, Warwick was nominated to be Goodwill Ambassador of the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations, FAO. In 2004, Warwick's first Christmas album was released. The CD, entitled My Favorite Time of the Year, featured jazzy interpretations of many holiday classics. In 2007, Rhino Records re-released the CD with new cover art. In 2005, Warwick was honored by Oprah Winfrey at her Legends Ball. She appeared on the May 24, 2006, fifth season finale of American Idol. Warwick sang a medley of Walk On By and That's What Friends Are For, with longtime collaborator Burt Bacharach accompanying her on the piano. In 2006, Warwick signed to Concord Records after a 15-year tenure at Arista, which had ended in 1994. Her first and only release for the label was My Friends and Me, a duets album containing reworkings of her old hits, very similar to her 1998 CD, Dion Sings Dion. Among her singing partners were Gloria Estefan, Olivia Newton-John, Winona Judge, and Reba McIntyre. The album peaked at number 66 on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart. The album was produced by her son, Damon Elliott. The relationship with Concord concluded with the release of My Friends and Me, a compilation CD of her greatest hits and love songs, The Love Collection, entered the UK album chart at number 27 on February 16, 2008. Warwick's second gospel album, Why We Sing, was released on February 26, 2008 in the United Kingdom and on April 1, 2008 in the United States. The album featured guest spots by her sister, Dee Dee Warwick, and B.B. Wanons. On October 18, 2008, Dee Dee died in a nursing home in Essex County, New Jersey. She'd been in failing health for several months. On November 24, 2008, Warwick was a star performer on Divas 2, a UK ITV1 special. The show also featured Rihanna, Leona Lewis, The Sugar Babes, Pink, Gabriella Klimai, and Anastasia. In 2008, Warwick began recording an album of songs from the Sammy Kahn and Jack Wolf songbooks. The featured recording entered 
Only Trust Your Heart, was released in 2011. On October 20, 2009, Starlight Children's Foundation and New Gold Music Limited released a song that Warwick had recorded about 10 years prior called Starlight. The lyrics were written by Dean Pitchford, prolific writer of fame, screenwriter of and soul or joint lyricist on every song in the soundtrack of the original 1984 film Footloose and lyricist of the solid gold theme. The music had been composed by Bill Goldstein, whose versatile career included the original music for NBC's Fame TV series. Warwick, Pitchford, and Goldstein announced that they would be donating 100% of their royalties to Starlight Children's Foundation to support Starlight's mission to help seriously ill children and their families cope with pain, fear, and isolation through entertainment, education, and family activities. When Bill and Dean brought the song to me, she said, I instantly felt connected to its message of shining a little light into the lives of people who need it most, said Warwick. I admire the works of Starlight Children's Foundation and know that if the song brings hope to even just one sick child, we've succeeded. From 2011 to 2021, in 2011, the new jazz-style CD, Only Trust Your Heart, was released, featuring many Sammy Kahn songs. In March 2011, Warwick appeared on The Celebrity Apprentice 4. Her charity was The Hunger Project. On May 28, 2012, Warwick headlined the World Hunger Day concert at London's Royal Albert Hall. She sang One World, One Song, especially written for The Hunger Project by Tony Hatch and Tim Holder, and was joined by Joe McElderry. The London Community Gospel Choir and a choir from Woodridge School, Woodridge, Suffolk. In December 2015, Warwick's website released the Tropical Love EP with five tracks, previously unreleased from the Aquarel du Brazil sessions in 1994, to say goodbye. Pras with Ibu Lobo, Love Me, Lullaby, Bridges, Travessia, Rainy Day Girl with Ivan Linz. A Heartbreaker two-disc expanded edition was planned for a 2016 release by Funky Town Grooves, which would include the original Heartbreaker album and up to 15 bonus tracks consisting of a mixture of unreleased songs, alternate takes, and instrumentals, with more remastered and expanded Arista albums to follow. 2016, she was inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame. On February 10, 2021, Dion got nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time. A little bit about her personal life. In 1966, Warwick married actor and drummer William Elliott. They divorced in May of 67. They reconciled and were remarried in Milan, Italy in August of 1967. On January 18, 1969, while living in East Orange, New Jersey, she gave birth to her first son, David Elliott. In 1973, her second son, Damon Elliott, was born. On May 30, 1975, the couple separated and Warwick 
was granted a divorce in December of 1975 in Los Angeles. The court denied Elliott's request for $2,000 a month equivalent to $9,600 in 2020 in support pending a community property trial and for $5,000 when he insisted he was making $500 a month in comparison to Warwick making $100,000 a month, equivalent to $481,000 in 2020. Warwick stated, I was the breadwinner. The male ego is a fragile thing. It's hard when the woman is the breadwinner. All my life, the only man who ever took care of me financially was my father. I have always taken care of myself. In 1993, her older son David, a former Los Angeles police officer, co-wrote with Terry Steele the Warwick-Whitney Houston duet, Love Will Find a Way. Featured on her album, Friends Can Be Lovers, since 2002, he has periodically toured with and performed duets with his mother and has had singing debut with the film Ali as singer Sam Cooke. David became a singer-songwriter with Luther Vandross, Here and Now, among others of his credits. Her second son, Damon Elliott, is a music producer who has worked with Maya Pink, Christina Aguilera, and Kashia Cole. He arranged and produced his mother's 2006 Concord release, My Friends and Me. She received a 2014 Grammy Award nomination in the traditional pop category for her 2013 album release, Now. On January 24, 2015, Warwick was hospitalized after a fall in the shower at her home. After ankle surgery, she was discharged from the hospital. She recovered and is still making a valuable contribution to the entertainment industry and to the several causes that she's assisted throughout her star-studded life. Well, we appreciate you being with us as we've delved into the life and career of Dion Warwick, one of the great singers of the golden days of radio and even on into today. If you haven't, we invite you to go to our goldengems.net to listen to some of her great hits and a little more about her career. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are, reliving some of the unforgettable memories of the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artists and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We'd love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on goldengemsradio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems. <laughs>